Genesis chapter 16, beginning at verse number 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in into my hand to my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt in the land, ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. He went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress despised her in her eyes. She was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. When she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. Can you say amen to the word? I want to minister on this thought. Believing the promise, battling the calendar. Believing the promise, doing battle with the calendar. When we think about Abraham and Sarah, you will find them listed in the chapter we call Faith's Hall of Fame. You will find that they are listed among those that the Scripture found worthy to be listed as people of faith. And sometimes we conclude that they had perfect faith. Can I tell you, it was less than perfect. Can I tell you that their lives were less than perfect? Matter of fact, I just kind of figure kind of Abraham says, after reading this, he said, what do I do? In, in that day, it was quite accepted that they had more than one wife, that if you had a servant, then that could become somebody to bear children for your family. And uh, so Abraham and Sarah couldn't have any children, it appeared, but they did have a promise. God said they were going to have children. Matter of fact, God promised Abraham that his children would be like the sands of the sea, like the stars of the sky. There'd be so many of them, but they had none. And so here is Abraham. He's, he's trying to figure all this out. He's trying to put it all together. And Sarah's having a little more difficulty with him than he is. There is something within a a woman that desires children. And that desire, I don't understand how strong it is. Only a woman would know. And so she wanted a child so bad that 
Even though she knew that God had promised it was going to happen, it hadn't happened. And so she says, I think I know the solution. (laughs) You ever been there? You ever had a promise God's going to do something in your life? He's going to do something. He's going to fix something. And after a while, you think, you know what? I think God needs some help. I think if I'll do this and this. I I remember times in my life where I I got a lot of advice. You know, I was waiting on for something to happen. And somebody said, call this person. Call that person. Do this. You need to talk to so-and-so. They'll make it happen. But it was something I prayed about. It was something I wanted only God, a God kind of answer. And so I refused the advice. And I waited for the God solution. It's, It's always the right choice. I can't say I always did that. Yeah, I got a claim in with the VA. Anybody ever been there? They denied my claim. I appealed. I ain't heard nothing. They said they're two years behind. They're hearing cases this year from two years ago. Who should I call? My senator? I tried that. He wrote me back a nice letter. They gave him the same answer. I contacted my rep. What I'm trying to show you is we have a promise, but we battle with a calendar. It's that waiting, that waiting that waiting. Anybody ever read in your Bible the word wait? Come on. Is it in there? Your, does your Bible have wait in it anywhere? Do, do you find it quite often? Do you, do, you know, if you're, if you're in, that, in that period where you're, you're battling the calendar, waiting for the promise... And you go to the Word of God, you'll find a lot of reassurance that if you'll wait on the Lord, you'll wait on the Lord. Amen? And so, Abraham and Sarah trying to come up with a plan. I'm I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. You ever... You ever have somebody come up and ask you about, well, what, what about so-and-so? What about such-and-such in your life? You say, well, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. And when we say it, in the back of our mind, we're thinking, hmm, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe so. I, I'm trying. <laughs> it, it's like the little man in the Scripture in Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. 
And immediately the father of the child that he had brought to the Lord, he says, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. We all have those times in our life where we struggle with believing, but it's that calendar that gives us the problem. It's that time frame. It's that waiting period that makes it difficult. I think about the the woman that became the supply for Elijah when he was when the land was in a time of famine. The scripture says that the Lord fed Elijah for a while and then he sent him to a widow's house. And when he arrives, she's out in the yard or in the field gathering up sticks and he says, go make me a cake. And she looks back at him. She don't have a clue who he is, I'm sure. And he, she just says, you know, I'm about to make the last meal that my son and I are going to make. I'm gathering. I just have enough food for my son and I. We're going to eat that and we're going to die. You could call that the last supper. And then he says, of all things, make me a cake first. And she somehow finds the ability to comply. She somehow finds the I don't know how you would work through that moment, but she she does obey him. And she goes and she makes a cake for the prophet. And then she makes a cake for her son. And then the next day she makes a cake for guess who? I got a feeling every day the first cake she made was for the man of God. And then every day after that, the scripture said... In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 15, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Every day, from that day forward, until the famine was over, every time she went to the meal barrel, there was meal. But then it came after a period of time that that child in her house fell sick and he died. And she came to the prophet of God and she complained to him. She accused him and he said, give me the child. He took the child, he laid it on his bed And he went in and he stretched himself upon the child. He got up and he walked around. And then breath came back into that child. He presented the son to his mother. And notice what she says. In verse 17, chapter 17, verse 24. Now by this I know thou art a man of God. And the word of the Lord is in thy mouth, or the word of truth is in thy thy mouth. So 
The whole point of my telling you this story is, why didn't she believe him when he said, make me a cake? And she made a cake, and she never ran out of meal. (laughs) Why didn't she believe then that he was a man of God? She ate every day because of his word. Are we there sometimes? Do we find ourselves like this little widow woman sometimes? We know what God's done for us. He filled us with the Holy Ghost. It's, it's the miraculous, the most miraculous thing that could happen that God would fill us with his spirit. And then we find ourselves down the road a ways uh, questioning and wondering and battling with our doubt. Especially when we need something today and it hadn't happened. And here we are two weeks later and it still hasn't happened. We know that we prayed. We know that we believe God. We... The little woman lived for years or months or however long it was, daily partaking of the miracle that came by the man of God. And somehow, doubt was resident in her mind. Until the day that he raised her son from the dead. Then she said, now I know. Now I know. Thou art a man of God. Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. Hebrews 11 and 8 said, He went out not knowing where he was going. The promise of God said, I want you to go. I want you to leave the land of your fathers. I want you to go into a land that I have promised to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you many things. And he took off. The scripture said he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't know where, but he went. He trusted God. We know Abraham as the father of the faithful. And he gets this promise from God. So, The father of the faithful. Was he perfect? We do find that when he should have trusted God, when he was in a strange place, he made a deal with his wife. He said, I want you to tell everybody wherever we go that you're my sister. Because if we, they find out you're my wife, they'll kill me. Because you're so beautiful. Have you told your wife that lately? Now she must have felt pretty good about herself. Because her husband said, you're so beautiful that wherever we go, they're going to kill me to get you. So you tell them that we're sisters. He was half right. Because she was a half-sister. But you know, a half-lie before God is just the same as a whole lie. 
It's a world today that has started teaching our children in school that there are situational ethics. Sometimes it's right to lie. But I have the word of God that says, if you lie, you fry. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. So you lie, you fry. It didn't say how big a lie, half lie, half truth. Just don't go there. But Abraham went there. Here's the father of the faithful. And he went there. God intervened through his mercy. Isn't it good to know that when we're not perfect, God is? And he doesn't kick us to the curb. He didn't throw us by the wayside. Though he was a great man of faith, he made mistakes in his life. Sarah and Abraham had a promise. Sarah says to Abraham, you take Hagar, you get me a child by her. And, you know, it was acceptable in their day. And while it may be acceptable among our peers, if it's not the will of God, it's wrong. We find ourselves living in a world today that so many things have become okay, acceptable. Who's going to think a thing about it? But who really matters in the situation? God says to Abraham, I made you a promise. I made you a promise. I said, you and Sarah is going to have a child. Trust me. So, Abraham and Sarah were impatient. I remember working beside a guy in... Minnesota, his name was Husong, his last name. And uh, I guess he had some Orientals background in his life with a name like Husong. But uh, we were working together, and one day he says, you're always saying reckon. I reckon. I reckon. I kind of think that was the word maybe Abraham coined that day when Sarah was talking to him and he said, well, I reckon we ought to do that. I think I might have quit using that very, uh, very often since, since that conversation because he, he said that that's a southern expression. You're up here in Minnesota now. We don't use that word up here. So anyway, I reckon I quit. <laughs> so Abraham just, he, he just kind of, Reckon, it's a good word. It it just kind of says that's what we're thinking about doing. And and so, you know, he said, I reckon 
We'll do that. So Abraham does what Sarah asks, and then when he gets through doing what Sarah asks, then she gets mad at him for doing what he asked. No, I'm not going there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm shedding light maybe where some places where you have not looked before. And maybe places you looked at and you wondered, how can this be? How can be that here's someone that God has held up so high for us to look at and, and put, us, put them in faith's hall of fame. And then we began to examine, you know, God could have left out all their faults. He could have left all of that out of Scripture and we would have never known. But he also knew that we needed to know because he knew that one day we were going to walk here. We were going to be believers. And we also were going to struggle. So what about Sarah? Maybe her faith was not as exemplary as her husband's. Well, Hebrews 11 and 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise. And so though Sarah, we, we could put the blame on Sarah for pushing Abraham in that direction, but the scripture also holds up Sarah as a woman of faith. Before we condemn, we might ought to remember that we too struggle. Before we look over the fence at our neighbor's life and see them struggling in moments of waiting and wonder why they capitulated when they could have had that we also have our bad days. We also have our difficult struggles. Hebrews chapter 40, I believe, is a chapter about what it ends up with. In, in Isaiah 40 and 1, it, it talks about those first few verses. It's, it's a comfort, a word of comfort to the nation of Israel. And the suffering that they had gone through and the, the difficulties of their life. And it, it compared the relationship of, of them with little lambs and little children and, and tender grass. And he takes and compares all those things. And, and then the, in the, the middle of that chapter, it talks about the greatness of God. It talks about that God sits on the circle of the earth and how magnificent and how great and how glorious is it. He said, don't you know, have you not heard? Don't you know how good and how great and how powerful God is? Now, why, why are you struggling with the calendar when God's this great? Why are you struggling with a little bit of time? Well, verse 31 said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not 
faith. It's that waiting, waiting, waiting. Call it what you will. But the reason that we read of Sarah and Abraham in the book of Hebrews, it's not because they lived a mistake-free life. We read of them because of the grace of God. It was not perfection that enabled Abraham and Sarah to lay hold of the promise. It was God's grace that made it possible. Grace made the difference. Mistakes, yes, they made them. Failures, yes, they experienced major failures. Lack of belief, yes, they struggle with that. Fear caused them to make decisions they would not have made otherwise. They got ahead of God. You see, they did things that we look back and said, come on, couldn't you have held on? Couldn't you have waited a little longer? Abraham, really, did it? Did it bring that much fear in you that you actually thought they would kill you to marry Sarah? Well, actually, the king did take her into his household. But it was because of the lie that he told. He went into a place and he said, Surely the fear of God is not here. It's amazing what we do in fear. And we, we and he find ourselves just like the man that stood before Jesus and said, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Honesty. It's always good to be honest with God. It's always good to be honest with everyone. But shouldn't we be honest with the one that knows whether we're telling the truth or not? You can't fool God. You can't fool most people. When we leave Sarah and Abraham and their Ishmael, it would seem like a terrible end to a story but that wasn't the way it ended. Thirteen years later, that son did come. There was so much to pay, though. And there is so much to pay still today for that son that they had when they couldn't wait. We never win we never win, we never win by going against God. Even when we fail in faith and God forgives us, like Abraham and Sarah, they had to reap from the seed that they sowed. That seed sown was an Ishmael, an Ishmaelite people that still are problems to the Israelites to this day and to our world. 
But the grace of God was that that had laughter come in their life. There came an Isaac who means laughter. And so joy came. After all the failings, after all the shortcomings, after all the imperfect faith, they believed God. And a hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman gave birth to a child called Isaac. It's worth the wait. Amen? 1945, World War II had just ended. There was a young German soldier that was as a prisoner of war in Scotland. He had been a reluctant soldier in Hitler's army. Nightly, he experienced nightmares of the terrors of that war. Later, he would write that the worst thing that he ever experienced came in September of 1945 as he, along with his fellow POWs, were confronted by, with pictures of Auschwitz. Seeing the faces of the victims brought profound shame and disgrace. He stated it was undoubtedly the hardest thing. It was a strong strang, stranglehold that choked us. It was during this season of his life that a visiting chaplain gave the soldier a Bible. While reading the Psalms of Lament, he began to connect with the writer and someone who felt as though God had abandoned him. He began to realize that the scripture prophesied that Christ also would feel that same rejection. For the psalmist wrote prophetically concerning the Christ, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. Then in 1947, having been given a a permission to attend a Christian conference, Dutch participants asked to meet German POWs, those who had fought in the Netherlands. The young soldier visited that meeting full of fear, full of guilt, full of shame. Much to his surprise, however, instead of speaking with a spirit of vindictiveness, the Dutch Christians came to offer forgiveness. Forgiveness. So here was a soldier that had taken lives. That horrible war. And now, those that had suffered at his own hand, were coming to say, before you ask, I forgive you. I forgive you. The grace of God. Let's stand together. It's an old song. It still carries the same true message. Amazing grace.